This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com for March 5th. I'm your host, RJ Bell, and we're broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Each week, we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, bringing 29 years of handicapping experience to the table. Vegas Runner, a genuine Las Vegas professional batter who lives off his winnings. And Stephen Nover, a leading sports betting journalist located in Las Vegas. Okay, let's get straight to the show. Now, we're excited here at, with the pregame podcast and that this is the first week we have our new equipment in. We're going to actually take a picture of this and put it up in the forum so you guys can check it out. We have a mixing board. We have uh, individual mics. I'm actually in a head, headset right now, so this is uh, kind of exciting. Okay, I don't know if it's a NASA launch here or what, but <laughs> okay. Now, let's get straight into the show. And what we're going to be talking about, and one of the things that really separates our podcast is we focus on information worth betting. We're not really interested in talking about the water cooler stuff. You know, the, the, the ESPN shows do that very well. We want to talk about info worth betting. And the very topical subject this week is the last weekend of college basketball. And there's a lot of factors to consider. This is a small period of time, but knowing how to handicap this time is very important. So, Stephen, um, what's your thoughts specifically about the last weekend of college basketball? The betting lines are so tight. <laughs> They're at their toughest peak, you know, this last week. But uh, maybe to offset that a little bit, I- I'm taking a stronger look at, at underdogs um, than I normally do, and that's usually my first look. And we saw it last night with uh, Texas Tech just rolling over Kansas. I think these teams are, are kind of looking ahead to the conference tournament and uh, NCAA, NCAA tournament. And, uh, and, and plus, you know, you can say, well, some of these teams really need to win. They're on the bubble. But, you know, you're talking young kids with a lot of extra pressure. So uh, my first look in this is, is to underdogs. Okay, now that interesting concept because one is motivation. And if a team is truly on the bubble, then their motivation is going to be high. What that needs to be weighed against, though, it would seem is, is the public aware of, and, and in this day of the media, are they, are they being inundated with talk of this team being in a must-win spot? And that's something Marco talked about last week was if the public is overwhelmed with the concept of must-win, they're going to over-adjust for it. And then, Stephen, you're bringing up a good point is that if a team isn't a must-win, especially with the younger kids, there could be uh, the factor of the nervousness uh, of the situation. Now, Stephen also brought up another point, which I want to jump to Marco with, if you have any thoughts on, is some of these teams have a different agenda. The agenda maybe isn't even to you know, win this last game. It might be to get ready for the conference tournament. Or maybe it's not even the conference tournament. It's getting ready for the NCAAs. So how do you gauge how motivated a team is if it's not a bubble team on the last weekend? With the conference tournaments um, being next week, the point that Stephen made with a game last night with Texas Tech and Kansas, Kansas is a team that's not a bubble team. They're definitely going to be in the big dance no matter what they do in a conference tournament. So a team like that could mail in a game late in the season. And then you look at revenge situations. That game last night for Texas Tech, you know, 
Um, end of the season, what do they have to play for? Well, they were playing with 50-point revenge. They got blown out last year by Kansas by over 50 points. So you got to look at things like that. Where's the motivation? Definitely Texas Tech would be more motivated in a game like that and getting points. Okay, now one of the concepts you talked about last week also was that the throw in the towel factor is less in college basketball simply because if you win your tournament, no team is out of it really until they lose in the conference tournament. So we know the conference tournaments are coming up. Is the teams who are, let's say, out of the NCAA for an at-large bid for sure, are they maybe not as motivated this weekend with an eye towards the conference tournament? You can have that. That would be more uh, prevalent if a team is on the road in a meaningless game. You, they could mail that last game in. A team that's playing at home, they're going to want to go into the conference tournament on a roll, you know, senior night, try to win, get that second win, so to speak, second chance when they go into the conference tournament because that would be their only shot into the big dance. That's interesting is because another factor we talked about was the last home game. And, and the excitement around that for most teams. So, so what you're saying is if a team is out of an at-large bid, their only hope is a conference tournament, and they're on the road, there's a good chance of a letdown in that spot. In that spot, correct. Interesting. Okay, now, Vegas Runner, we were talking about the end of the regular season, but the reality is there's a number of smaller conferences who tournaments have either started and we're taping on Thursday or will be starting this weekend. We're going to be talking a lot about conference tournaments next week, and we're actually going to do a How to Handicap podcast specifically on conference tournaments. But in these very early conference tournaments, is there anything different to look at? The biggest difference I see uh, when you're comparing the conference tournaments to March Madness, the big NCAA tournament, is that these teams go into their conference tournament feeling that they really have an invitation to the dance if they could get the job done. Where when you get to the NCAAs, a lot of them 15 seeds, 16 seeds are just happy to be there now. And, uh, you know, it's a little different. So, so jumping in, what you're saying is, is that in a typical conference tournament, you might have to win three games or, or so, and that even the, the basement dwellers of these conferences feel like they have a chance to win three games and, and get there, as opposed to in the NCAAs, if you just slip in, you know you're not going to win it, so there may be that mentality of, we're happy to be here. Yeah, I, I agree, and you see that year in and year out. You see in these conference tournaments, you know, the fi- the last seed of it ends up getting a, a bid to the dance, and, and that happens a lot, and they take a, an at-large bid from someone else, where in the tournament... You know, how many times have we seen a 14 seed cut down the nets? It hasn't happened. Okay, so, and and VR, I know you have a comment on senior night, but I want to open one question to the entire panel is, it strikes me that with the smallest conferences, and that's what we're talking about this first weekend for the most part, is even the best teams, if they don't win their conference tournament, oftentimes will not get a bid. So how does that affect things? On one hand, you're saying, okay, these top seeds are, are, are dominant against the, the lowest seeds, and thus maybe the dogs are a good place to look because they're not going to be motivated. What about the factor of one upset from a team that had a great season and they're out of the big dance? How do we factor that in? 
Well, one thing with those small conferences to add to it, the very small conferences like the Mid-America and the Horizonette, they actually play their first-round games at the home site of, of one of the teams rather than a neutral court. So you're going to get the higher seeds, like you say, that it, this is you know what they say a mid-major, that if they stub their toe and don't get it, when they could be left out of the big dance. So going back to the big dog theory, you now have a team at home laying a big number, knowing that they have three more games to play to get to the big dance. They could get that big lead and let a team come back for a backdoor cover because they're going to rest people when they get the lead. They're not going to play them the entire game. And that's a reoccurring concept in the conference tournaments is that it's the only time really during the year uh, except for some preseason tournaments maybe fall in this category where these teams are playing night after night, potentially four nights in a row. And, and that's something where usually a team plays twice a week. And, and, and the idea of how deep a team is and um, will they be resting their start or their, their, their key players if they have a big lead, are, I think, are key factors. Now, in general, though, those tournaments in which the early rounds happen at the home team of the higher seed – do we value that home court about equal to a regular season game, a little bit more or a little bit less? Well, continuing with what I said, I'll make it a little bit less because if they, it is a big spread, they're going to take those starters out, especially at home. But, but that's not speaking about the home, just specifically about the home court. Do you value it? How would you value the home court advantage? I actually devalue it because what I was going to say is with the big lead, they will want to let clear the bench out. And let players, because, you know, tournament, a lot of family come in to see a tournament game and that, and the one that let everybody get a chance to play if they have a big lead. All right, now in a tighter game, and, and again, the, the rotational stuff you're talking about is, is a key concept, and I agree with it. Um, it seems to me, I've, I, I know a pro better in town that has a system which he, which he pounds every year that these home team conference um, tournament games are, are really strong for the home team, that there's an excitement level at these games, which is slightly higher than a regular season game. Any thoughts on that? I have to agree, and I think, you know, there's got to be a, a slight edge, especially because it's a much more meaningful game. And, I mean, we all, as human beings, get wrapped in it, the referees, the crowd. So I, I think when it's a meaningful game like that, I myself as a handicapper have to say that home court's you know, is a little more valuable for the home team because, again, we're talking about a game that means a lot more. I agree with that. And and uh, to me, it, I think both points are key, is the home court went – and, again, you got to look at the schedule very closely and make sure that, that you understand is where is this game being played. Um, if you have any questions, that's one of the nice things about a community. You go to pregame.com, go to the forum and say, hey, where is this – you know, is, is this a true home court? Because oftentimes you'll have a situation – uh, the UNLV, for example, uh, it's played at the Thomas and Mac, the, uh, their tournament, and they have a full home court there. Other times it will be in the same city but a different locale. There's a lot of subtlety to this. Um, but I agree with Marco also is if you're looking at a really big favorite at home is that, that rotational element of taking out the starters late, I think there's a key point there. And there's been two conferences that have already started uh, – tournaments and they're at the home sites of the higher seed there's been nine games in the horizon and sunbelt conference on tuesday and wednesday the home team is two and seven wow interesting interesting okay um now 
any all right so vr you've got a thought on senior night well yeah getting back i mean we're going to cover the conferences tournaments as you said next week and then eventually march madness but getting back to the final week of the season i think we really have to key in and look for them situations of must wins they're popping up now every night and every night the team you're paying too much of a premium for just last night we saw it again with miami florida traveling to georgia tech everybody said miami was in a must-win situation People lined up to bet them. They laid the four. The Sharps took the, the points. The line even dropped with all the money on Miami, and Georgia Tech got the straight-up win at home. So that's happening over and over this final week. And I wanted to add something about senior week because that's been uh, senior night. It's been brought up a lot lately. Now we're seeing all the games being played. Listen to Ken White early in the week. He said he puts absolutely zero value on senior night. As a matter of fact, Utah was playing their senior night. They had four of six star players were all seniors. Um, And he said even for that game, he absolutely added zero points to Utah for that. Um, He believes the motivation lasts all but three, four minutes when the game starts, just like, you know, most motivational things we look to pick up on. And he said eventually, you know, the cream's going to rise to the top and it's going to have very little meaning. And, And I tend to agree with that. Interesting. Now, UNLV just had their senior night on Wednesday, and it struck me that that the energy level leading up to that game was higher. So is that affecting the play or not? Steven, what's your thoughts specifically on senior night? I I kind of agree with Ken White. Uh, I I don't put much credence into it. Well, what they're doing, they're usually bringing out a few seniors before the game, and and the teams are already pumped to play, but instead you got to wait a few minutes and and then uh, sometimes it takes these guys a little longer than to concentrate. And, uh, you know, you can make a case for the positive. You can make a case for the negative. But I think it's all wrapped into the home court advantage in the line. But, but getting back to, to what Marco was talking about even last week, I believe, that was where I think the betters could find an edge. Because if you know the odds maker is putting zero value on senior night and you could pick up some you know good information on them smaller schools that maybe it is a big deal for them all of a sudden you found your three two three point edge right there so i think you know you could take advantage of the odds makers perception it doesn't mean he's right all the time i don't want to be facetious on this vr but if a team has a lot of starting seniors four three four five starting seniors they're probably not very good good could they be anyway (laughs) well but but that is contrary to one of the nc tournament concepts which is having a senior or let's say a more experienced team has a lot of value a lot of these mid-majors who the players aren't quite good enough to go to the NBA early have really good players and and they've in in the time they've spent together I think uh pays off especially in the high pressure tournament situations yeah i am being a little facetious <laughs> with that comment but uh come on let's face it these guys this isn't grade school this isn't junior high this isn't high school these are college guys and they're, they're almost near professionals uh i just think it's wrapped into the line you know and, a team's a if it's got a good home court it's a three-point difference that's all factored in there and really this and we're going to be shifting to our second topic here in the first segment but th- this really brings up this conversation brings up two of our commandments and and we say commandment when this is a concept that we're going to be talking about again and again kind of that like thou shalt not steal you know we're going to have those level of commandments because it applies everywhere in sports betting and one of them is that this it's situation specific is that senior night in general may not be a key factor occasionally it may be 
and something Stevens talked about and him working for Las Vegas Sports Consultants years ago, he really has that insight of the lines maker is the lines maker doesn't have time to consider all of the specifics of a given game. They have to get a generally good number. And if you're able to find those exceptions when they're when their concepts are off, like a senior night that does matter, that's where there's some value. You know what's a big deal, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I believe it was a situation with um, uh, Stanford or one of those Pac-10 schools where it was during the season where they invited all their alumni, all their former players. It might have been Cal, come to think it of California. it. It was Cal. Thank you, Marco. It was Cal. And that was a big deal. It was a whole weekend. Mm-hmm. They brought in all these guys, all their past stars. Now, that could 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 maybe could get a little line value there because – uh, LVSC, those guys aren't reading up on that. They don't care about that Agreed. stuff. And one of the concepts we keep talking about is collective IQ, how a group of people like at pregame.com in the forums can find out that stuff and share it better than an organization like Las Vegas Sports Consultants, which which has you know not near as many people working for them as a, com- a big community has. Uh, you know, Unless I'm mistaken, they have about, what, eight to ten lines makers. They don't right? have that many. Uh, how many? They have about... Um Sheer odds makers, maybe about six or seven. So think about it. If you have a group of 40 people in the forums working hard, you you outnumber the odds makers by a big number. Okay, so now segment two is uh, during basketball season is always we pick two teams and we talk about the way these teams are trending, either way up or way down, and that's coming up in a few minutes. Now we want to talk about uh, really a new exciting feature at pregame.com, which is our Twitter pages. Many of you guys may be familiar with Twitter. That's t w i t t e r dot com. Is it's called a micro blog. So yeah, we have our blogs at pregame dot com, and if you uh, are authors that have two, three, four hundred words to talk about a concept in, with a little bit of depth, it's a great, great um, uh, source of information. But Twitter allows 140 characters, so it's like a sentence or two, and it's really like almost like graffiti, as if you walk by and you just want to write a sentence or two, and it's, it's really about what are you doing at any given time, and Vegas Runner has a Twitter page, and, and to find it, it's simple, twitter.com slash Vegas Runner, all one word. And uh, VR, tell us a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish on that page. Uh, I'm loving it. I'm I'm not using it to let people know what I'm doing at the current moment. I'm using it as as a way to get them what I'm seeing and hearing. Um, and I could do it instantly now. And I mean, I've had so much fun with it. It's in, it's an incredible tool. And I urge anyone listening to to this podcast to go in and sign up and. I know Marco's, and it's free. It's one hundred percent free. It's free. You don't have to be a client of any of our handicappers that that are already on Twitter. And throughout the day, I pass along any update that I see. I mean, just yesterday, standing at, at the sports book, uh, a guy told me that Miami, Florida, had Ed Reed go and speak to the team to motivate them for this Georgia Tech team. So I passed that along on Twitter and said, "Why do you need motivation in a must win?" It just didn't make sense. And, I mean, throughout the day, I'm able to pass along little tidbits like that. I'm able to pass along when I see one of the outfits run up and bet a game. Um, I get that to them probably before the guy even gets his money down. It's on Twitter. And just yesterday, uh, real quickly, I was done. It was wrapped up. The day was through. I was finished on the forums. And uh, a buddy tells me, hey, they're going to steam Florida Atlantic plus 13, and it's a big play. So before, I would not be able to get that to my people. Now, all of a sudden, I punch that out. Everyone that's signed up with me 
gets it immediately. And that's a nice feature on Twitter is you're able to update from a web interface if you're sitting at your computer. But additionally, there's a mobile interface which allows you with a cell phone or PDA. So it really is. And I got to tell you something is. You know, uh, growing up in Ohio, I, I used to, you know, it, before the Internet, it was like, you know, look at the magazines and say, hey, look how cool that is or this professional better. And then when the Internet happened, you could have a little more insight into it. Well, being here in town for 11 years, I was reading uh, Vegas Runners Twitters yesterday and it was like it was making me excited. Like I felt like I was down on the strip as, as these runners and, and, and the, the syndicate guys were given VR, the info and he was feeding, feeding it to us in real time and it's free. And, and, and another feature of this, um, is you're going to, if you get late plays, you have your final update about six thirty Eastern. Most of the time, Correct. if you have late plays or halftime plays, you're going to put them out on Twitter. Absolutely, man. When I'm watching a game and, and I see a halftime opportunity for myself or even a play we put in earlier for a middle, I'm going to shoot that out. If I'm at the UFC fights and I hear something, you know, or, or a lot of times I get, like I said today in the forums, I get that VIP pass. So I'm hanging out in them tents and you hear the fighters discussing the fights of that night. And so many times I pick something up, man, and I'm like, damn, I wish I could pass this along, you know, instead of just getting it for myself. And now I have that opportunity. I'll whip out that phone and I'll let you know exactly what they're saying. No doubt, no doubt. Now, I have a Twitter page, and it's it's going to be, um, or Twitter feed, I guess would be the way to say it. It's going to be a little different. I, I'm not in the trenches like VR, and I'm not as connected. I mean, VR is one of the most connected guys out there when it comes to this level of info or this type of information. And uh, it's something I, you know, before I met VR, I thought I was connected, but now I realize nah, <laughs> it's just you a little know people, bit. man. But but the but the fact of the matter is, what I'm going to try to accomplish with my page, which is um, it's located at Twitter.com/slash RJ in Vegas, and that's all one word, is I'm going to give you a little insight of what it's like to try to build pregame.com is sometimes I'm on the phone talking to a batter about a bat and, and that's Vegas runner style stuff. Sometimes in, I'm in a, a business dinner talking about maybe something we're going to be bringing to you guys down the road. And sometimes I'm, you know, out about late night playing poker, all the stuff that I'm doing, the Vegas life, I'm going to try to give you a little, um, let's say an R rated version of it, not the X rated <laughs> version, but an R rated version of it. And, and I think it's going to be, interesting and and any feedback you have about what we're doing with twitter uh we're very interested in you can always email support at pregame.com or jump on the forums and talk to us now marco you have a page also you want to talk a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish with your page well i'm going to be a combination of rj and vegas runner Uh, you're going to get information from me plays uh, example last night late I had already put my games out, and the more I looked, I had had four games on my card yesterday, but I ended up only releasing three of them. And the more I looked at the fourth game, I decided I was going to make a play on that game, and I sent out Mississippi State as a free play late last night. And, um, you know, we got the win with that. And I'll be talking about things around town. Um, you know, if I eat a nice meal, you're definitely going to hear about that. You know, I love to eat. And I'll, <laughs> I'll keep you abreast of all the buffets in Las Vegas and things of that nature. Absolutely. And, uh, 
you know, there's probably going to be a healthy amount of food talk on my Twitter, too, so I can't lie about that. I enjoyed uh, your blog, Marco, on the, the new M. You're getting your review on the buffet there because uh, it's, it's pretty close to my house. Uh, good definitely. information. Yeah. yeah, for those not in town, the M is a new casino just opened up and uh, getting a lot of press and a lot of attention. And uh, the locals here on the south side of town are loving it. So, Okay, now, tip, we actually had on the agenda a second concept, but one of the things... Um, that was slightly promotional. One of the things we really focus on with the podcast is, you know, one promotional element, a podcast, and the rest is about info worth batting. And even the promotional stuff, it's it's really about ways to help you win. Um, and what it is is, and I'm just going to kind of hit you guys with it, and then we'll talk about it next week, is Vegas Runner started his Bet Like a Pro program. And really the concept of it is, is it builds you in a way that allows you to bet like a professional. And um, instead of getting into the details, we'll do that next week. But if you want to check it out early, you can go to betlikeapro.com and read about the concept. Okay, segment number one is finished. Segment number two, we're going to be talking about teams that are trending upwards and downwards. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about our free $25 offer for new members. That's right, join pregame.com for free and you get $25 to spend any way you want. No purchase or obligation required. For $25, you can get just about any best bet you want. This is a no-lose deal. Sign up takes less than 60 seconds. Visit pregame.com backslash join. That's pregame.com backslash J-O-I-N and get your free $25 before it's too late. We're back. This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com, March 5th, segment number two of three. Okay, so during basketball season, we talk about teams and trending up, trending down. And actually, Stephen, we've been laughing uh, on the break here, is last week Stephen told us how horrible the Pistons are and that he never is going to back them again. And i got to be honest, I got sucked in a little bit and faded them once this weekend. And as I watched the ticker across the screen, I don't think this Pistons team has lost since. And the, one of the things is, Steven really might be one of the top handful of NBA guys on the planet. I, I mean, all joking aside. And, but one of the things we pride ourselves here at the pregame podcast is when we do something amazing like VR picking the Steelers at 15 to 1, we talk about it. But when we're off, we talk about it. And here's why. We want to learn either from our mistakes, if we did make a mistake, or two, we want to acknowledge the reality that sports betting is not a science. And that the, one of our sayings is if you hit 50%, you go broke. If you hit 55 you can be a pro. And the difference is only 1 in 20 games. If your extra insight is 1 in 20 games better than a coin flip, you can make a living betting sports. And accepting the reality of that razor-thin difference is something that's one of our missions. All right, Stephen, what's going on with the Pistons? All right, we'll exhume the coffin and uh, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll backtrack a little on the Pistons. Uh, I, I know I was pretty harsh on them uh, last week, but they're 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 playing better. But what a coincidence! Allen Iverson is out, so uh, may, maybe um, I don't know if you agree, Marco, but maybe the Pistons are a, are a much better team without Allen Iverson. I agree a hundred percent, and I was going to run to your defense here with the, the Pistons. They're three and zero since Iverson went out, and it's all about team chemistry. Once he went out, that made Rip Hamilton the center of the offense again, running the the offense, and the team's playing much better. It's like cutting a cancer out 
from that team. I, I definitely think that right now the Pistons are a go with uh, until it adjusts. Okay, now when you say it adjusts, what are we saying? Well, what's going to happen is, you know, the key game is going to be the first game that Iverson comes back. And to be honest, the first game he comes back, I would be more apt to go against the Pistons that game and see how they respond. I think you're going to have value. They'll, you know, the public's going to perceive, oh, well, they've been winning without Iversons. Now he's back. They're going to be even better, and you're going to have line value. So I'll go against them the game that he comes back. Now, based on how they play, that's going to dictate whether I stay with them or start to fade them again. I think it's kind of suspicious there. He's out there saying at least two weeks with a sore back. Now, what player in the NBA doesn't have a sore back at this stage? And there's also uh, some, some rumors that he may not be back at all. So it wouldn't surprise me if they, they make a move and uh, he, he doesn't come back. Okay, so if so, I, I like this because we have actionable information here. Is And I agree 100% with Marco. One of the concepts we talked, I talked about in a recent blog was that the, with injuries, sometimes the, the removal and then the return of players is a, a handicapping opportunity. And uh, not to get into, into those concepts, but you make a good point here is that when Iverson comes back, there's going to be an integration issue where it might take a little longer for, for the team to play at the level they were playing at because of of the disruption of the new player and number two that that the because Iverson's perceived as valuable the line would adjust upward uh, where they would be considered a better team with him when in fact they might be a weaker team absolutely RJ great concept okay so now any other thoughts VR anything on the Pistons well when it comes to the Pistons honestly I, I just felt that everybody jumped the gun because we all got burned with them and, and not just us here betters as a whole but when you look at, at the Eastern Conference, there's only five out of 15 teams that have a better record. So for myself, when I see that Iverson's their point leader, assist leader, steal leader, I really don't think that that is what the big problem is, uh, you know, that he's out and now they're going to win. And when he comes back, they're going to start losing. I don't think that. I think it's more of the fact that the odds maker over adjusted for their eight game losing streak. This time when they went and faced Boston Sunday, they were an eight and a half, nine point dog. Last time they played Boston, they were only a six-point dog. So that's a three-, four-point adjustment based more on public perception than actual statistics, I believe, because of their losing streak. So for me, I, it's not as much a question of the Iverson you know, situation as it is with them just getting more points than they should have in the situations or laying less than they should, as was the case against Denver the other night. And that brings up a good point. One of our commandments, and we're going to be talking about that a good bit, is you want to bet the games that are painful to bet. If it's easy to bet something, Tiger Woods to win a golf tournament, (laughs) chances are there's not a lot of value there. If it hurts you to bet it, then there's value. Most (laughs) Not a lot, but it hurts you. It's probably a lot of value. And, and the reality is, and we talked about this last week, is when a team is 0 for 5 ATS or something, there's a lot of you know, millions of dollars that were lost by human beings. And it's really hard, even you know, VR, you can, you know, as a professional batter and, and, and myself as a guy betting for over 20 years, is if a team burns you one, two, three, four times, it's really hard to fire on them that next time. It's almost impossible. And even, you know, us... It, 
as a as a professional sports handicapper and a better and and a paid capper, you know, putting them three combined makes it tough because now you sent out Pistons last night and now your clients are going to see the Pistons again. You know, it's tough to do, but that's that's the line you got to be able to you know to, to balance yourself on as a professional sports better, and you got to be willing to back them teams again. And like RJ said, when a team loses five ATS, do you really want to be back in that team? And, you know, with maybe of the, the exception of Georgetown, the odds maker uh, for each team that loses against the spread, there's a little more value the next time. Believe me, if a team's lost three or four against the spread, they're, they're adjusting. So more and more you're getting uh, perceived value then. And and one of the reasons to adjust is that the universe of batters willing to bet that team is shrinking because certain people have been burned enough they're unwilling to bet that team. So, okay, uh, great stuff. Now, and and it also brings up the the interesting point too is is if you're a a vast majority of the listeners of this podcast or the people who visit pregame dot com, the vast majority are not professional batters. And but you as a let's say non professional, your goal should be how can I acquire the habits and the approaches of a professional as much as possible. Even if you acquire twenty five percent of those habits, that means you're better. Uh, you're a better better than you were before. Okay, second team this week, and this is a team that last night's results um, are going to change the conversation. I think the Kansas Jayhawks. Well, we, you know, if we were going to bust uh, Stephen Stones about uh, Detroit, um, last night I made the decision on the two teams we were going to talk about today, and I picked Kansas as a team on the rise, and they go out and get drilled. But, again, as we mentioned earlier, you know, that was a unique situation for Kansas. They were playing at Texas Tech. It was a huge revenge game for Texas Tech last night. They got blown out by 50 points to this team last year. They had it circled on their calendar um, but this team, Texas or Kansas, as we talked about last week with Memphis, was a team that I thought was flying under the radar and was undervalued. And Kansas jumped last week from 15th in the polls to 9th. So they made a huge jump to jump six spots when you're that high up. But that's huge. And they're a team that's won 13 of their last 15 games, including last night's loss. And during that 15-game spread, they've gone 12-2-1 against the spread. Now, again, as I said last week with Memphis, when you're a marquee team and you're winning and you're playing at the highest level, you're ranked, and you're still covering the spread, you're undervalued. The reason I believe that Kansas is, it was able to cover all them spreads, Marco, and you're absolutely right, was because, as you said, not only were they 16th in the AP, but they were 16th in the odds makers poll also last week. And now all of a sudden they're nine. So they jumped six places, which tells me his numbers were way off with this Kansas team when you have to move them up six paces when you're talking about a poll which is supposed to be you know the strongest, the best there is out there, and all of a sudden your, your team is six spots you know lower than they should be. And you saw Kansas went on that roll of cover and spreads. I don't think that's going to happen when the tournament comes around because we're looking at the 334th youngest team in college basketball. And when March Madness is here, I think experience is what wins. Well, they've had a year now, VR, to, so I don't know how if you can really say that they're real young. But just to back up your point about how off the odds makers have been on Kansas, this is uh, taking in their loss last night to Texas Tech. L- listen to these uh, numbers. Uh, Jayhawks, 7-1 and one against the spread, their last eight road games. 
23-7-1 against the spread their last 31 games overall. 21-7-1 against the spread as a favorite. 16-6-1 in conference and Big 12 action. Look, those are some fantastic against the spread numbers. And a good odds maker, those numbers shouldn't be uh, skewed like that. Okay, couple great conversation, couple concepts. One is that there's a reverse effect of these ATS streaks. On one hand, people don't want to bet the teams that are losing. On the other hand, they want to when they start winning on a team, they want to keep following them. It's like going to a good restaurant and having a great meal. You want to go back, and uh, the odds makers are beholden to the marketplace. And and if if the books are getting killed on Kansas action, they're going to be telling the odds maker, hey, listen, you know, are we properly valuing this Kansas team? And and the jump in the odds makers poll makes sense when you have such a long ATS streak. What VR was saying about the immaturity or or the let's say relative youth of the Kansas team I actually think there's two factors that make that something I disagree with one is in college basketball the good players as Stephen was joking early in the podcast are usually there one or two years uh, on any team and if you're at the end of your first year you know you're probably 50 percent through your career if you're a good player so this team early on was so young that was literally had no experience is now 50% through their career. And, and that's a concept we've talked about a good bit is if you can find a youthful team that's trending upward later in the year, there's a lot of value there. And I think Kansas is a perfect example and of that. And Memphis was, we had the same discussion last week with Memphis and they played three games last week. They covered two of three. The one they didn't cover, they were a 23 point favorite. Good point. Good point. And the, other thing I think that makes you not underestimate Kansas in the in the um, tournament is this is a team with a coach with a vast amount of experience and success in the tournament. And, and to me, I think coaching experience is the most important thing in the tournaments because it's a whole different environment. It's a whole different experience. And a coach has been there. And if you're a young kid and you look at this coach and he has a national championship under his belt, how aren't you going to believe him? Last thing, I've always found when a marquee team, and let's define that as a team that has had great results in the last 10 years, when they turn themselves around, the public is much quicker to believe that the team's good. And I think this drastic reevaluation of Kansas makes sense, which is this is a team that, that, that's been dominant the last few years. They started off slow, but lo and behold, they get on a hot streak, and now, hey, Kansas is back. So, so the question I have is, and, and I'll open it up to whomever here, is where's the value with Kansas moving forward? Is it neutral? Is it fade? Is it back? I still got to look to them with value until the odds maker shows that they've adjusted the line. I, I like to ride streaks. I don't try to stop them. That's my philosophy. Okay, and, and I think the, the loss on national TV, um, a bad loss on national TV might stop the momentum in the eyes of the public and, and keep some value with Kansas. Yeah, and I mean, let's face it, they only have one game left against Texas. So, you know, t- to look at Kansas as far as backing or fading, we're going to have to talk about the conference tournament. And then you're looking at how strong the Big 12 is. So, um, you know, when it comes to Kansas, again, I'm one of them guys that I look at little things like turnovers. And it, it tells me, again, even though you guys – and I agree with that. You play a whole season, and teams like this, you know, reload instead of rebuild, so they mature along the season. But when I see that they lead the nation pretty much in turnovers and are terrible at, at 
causing turnovers, it shows me that the youth is going to be a problem when the tournaments get here. Well, I don't, I don't think we should read too much into this, this loss. Um, now, is Texas Tech a great team? No, not by all means. Did they play a great game? Yes. Let's give credit to Texas Tech in this game. Absolutely, but uh, to go one step further and to give you maybe a pregame nugget here for handicapping, there's an old-school theory of sandwich games, and this was an absolute sandwich game for Kansas. They played Sunday on national TV against Missouri, a team that they were playing with revenge, and they absolutely blew their doors off. Then they go and play their final road game, uh, I'm not sure. Do they play Texas at home or away? Yeah, they play them at home. Okay, so even better. They're playing a road, final road game against a team they beat by 50 points last year, coming off a big win on Sunday and a big game on the weekend against Texas in senior night. That is a sandwich situation where a team can look past their opponent and put in a clunker, and, and that's what they did. And one of our concepts is if you if you have a result which is misleading – then the public might not understand it's misleading, and you can go against that result. So in this case, it looks like Kansas is not playing well. Our experts here say maybe they are still playing well, but that specific situation, the Tech game, was a challenge. They played poorly in the eyes of the public. Now people are down on Kansas. Maybe there's more value on Kansas. The VR, again, it's never simple. It's saying as he digs into the numbers, he's seeing some flaws on his team that might be revealed during the tournament. Correct. Add one thing to what you just said. There's also a flip side to what you said. Texas Tech is not as good as they would have appeared last night in beating Kansas because they caught Kansas in a perfect situation. So you can get some value going against Texas Tech possibly in their next game. And going back to something that Mark always says, no team is ever as good as they look or as bad as they look. And I think yesterday was a perfect example of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I hope that's one of the commandments. <laughs> <laughs> should be. It's, well, it's, a, it's going through the process. It's a, it's a long process to become to a it, commandment. Yeah, yeah. There's only 10. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, great segment. Now, segment three, each and every week, we have free picks from every handicapper. And let me tell you, we got some hot streaks, so don't, uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about Pregame Forms, the place where sports bettors talk. Hundreds of posters informing and entertaining 24 hours a day with free picks and deep insight. Good people to celebrate wins with and moan about losses. You can post or just sit back and take it all in. Over $10,000 a year is given away in cash and prizes. Go to pregame.com and click forms or visit directly through pregameforms.com where everyone gets back more than they give from the many others giving. This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast, segment number three. We're back March 5th. Okay, for many, segment three is the favorite segment. We give away coupons, we give away free picks, and we answer the question of the week. Question of the week, you go to pregame.com, click the forums, or you go to pregameforums.com, and you can. Uh, there's an uh, ongoing thread, and you can ask any question you want, and if it's selected, not only do you get the answer, but you also get $25 of pregame dollars. That's free, $25 of pregame dollars free. Okay, now... This is not the question of the week, so be clear about that. Not the question of the week. But Denver Money said, I know this won't be selected, and he was right, but I want to ask it anyways. How come you guys never talk hockey? Now, I'm not a hockey guy myself, but this question segues us into the question of the week. 
which is from JeepSky004. He says, how come most professional bettors focus on the bigger conferences and CBB when you can find value in a lot of the smaller ones? And the reason, other than having a little fun with Denver Money of talking about his question, is it's really the same question, which is how much focus should a better have in the sports, in the leagues, which don't have a lot of attention paid to them? And to me, it's a, it's a simple answer, and then we're actually going to go around and, and talk because Vegas Runner has some good insights with this, is – the, the, the reality of it is if you're a professional batter who's trying to sell your picks, which is what many people perceive a professional batter to be, is those niche smaller conferences just don't sell as well because people want to get involved with the big games and the big sports. A Super Bowl pick is much more valuable than a pick the same day in a hockey game. People, Many more people want that Super Bowl pick. If your goal, though, is to win – it doesn't matter how marquee a game is, is if they're willing to take enough money on the game that you can get off your normal bet, you can focus on those nichier sports and, and gain a lot of value because you're right, the lines maker and the public are not paying as much attention with those games. Vegas Runner, you know a lot of pros down on the strip. Tell us about some of the guys that are specialists. Oh, absolutely. There's there's guys that just bet certain sports and only that sport. And like yesterday, I happened to bump into Pucks, who is a well-known hockey better. And I mean, I'd love to be able to bump into him every day because that's all the guy does. He bets four or five months a year and is extremely successful and well off because of it. So when you're talking about, there is a difference, like RJ said, between the paid capper professional and guys that are, you know, just betting as a living. Um, and, and he's absolutely correct. As a paid capper, you know, people want like tonight the TNT game. You know, you want that that marquee game, and that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of times. For myself, I love to handicap them games because I believe they offer me even more value than smaller conferences because of the fact they're high, you know, that high marquee game, the public perception is is in the line more. And that and that's a key point. And and the reality is is that one of the things that we try our best to do at pregamepros.com where we sell our picks is we really try to make it where the capper replicates his normal betting. And we tell them if you come out with games because they're TV games and you don't like these games, in the end you're losing is going to cost you more sales with our audience than having those marquee game so we're really stressed we want to replicate the experience of these batters but the reality is is that at other sites that's not the case to be candid and and there is when you become uh someone who's selling picks you tend to focus on sports that more people are interested in and 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 vr you've got a great point which is that yeah, maybe the odds maker isn't as sharp on those niche year conferences, but the public affects those lines a lot less, if if at all. And in a more marquee game, there can be value. So really, there's two ways to have value in a game. One way is the odds maker doesn't know as much as you, okay? And that's in the smaller conferences, that's possible. Or the public is affecting the line, and the public is wrong. And to me, I'd rather bet against the public and their their lack of, let's say, um, insight or, or expertise than I would against the lines maker. 
Exactly, and I couldn't have put it better myself because you're right, RJ. When you're talking about like added board games, sure, as a better, you might think, oh, I could dig up more information than the odds makers, but let me tell it to you the way it is. So is five other groups of sharp professional sports bettors, handicappers, that are looking at them games as well. So uh, like RJ said, when it comes to the big marquee games, you might be going against more recreational type bettors, but when you're trying to find value in them added games, believe me, you're battling against each of them syndicates that are also looking at them lines and trying to extract value from them tying them a game. Them great, type of games. great point. And, and Stephen, this is actually a commandment coming up here is if you bet against the opening number, you're betting against the odds maker. If you bet against the closing number, you're betting against the market because that opening number has been affected by all those syndicates. So to me, if you're doing your own work, it's always better to bet early because you're betting against the odds maker in that case. And that's why I'm at pregame because I can bet the way I've bet to provide a living for myself, my family all through the years because you allow me to do that. And to, with the to, bet like a pro, we're, you know, now VR style is a little different since he actually is connected to the syndicates, waiting for the syndicates to come in actually helps him get you on the right side. Most of us don't have that opportunity. Absolutely, RJ. And uh, going one step further with the hockey, one of the reasons that hockey is not as popular uh, for De- Denver money is because it more replicates baseball with a money line. But we have a, a feature at pregamepros.com. If you go to every day, I have an audio preview where I highlight all of our top cappers that have big plays and runs that day. And we've got guys that are doing very well in hockey. And if I have a guy that has a big hockey play and I preview him that day, I have a saying that I say almost every time. You don't have to like betting hockey. You just have to like making money. The guy's <laughs> winning. And it doesn't matter if you like the sport or not. If you have an edge in it and somebody's doing well, grab it. Yeah, give me a sailing winner. I'm all over it. It doesn't, you know, <laughs> it don't matter. It's irrelevant. Excellent. Okay. So, um, couple other quick thoughts and then we're going to go into our free picks one is that that if you are a niche handicapper that's the beauty of sports betting communities is is actually denver money has a blog with us at pregameblogs.com and he focuses on hockey and he has a nice audience for that and and especially if you show you're consistent with your work and and you're consistent with your effort um you're going to gain a following if you if you have insight and 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 that's what's exciting you don't have to always if you're not selling your picks it's not about having a huge audience it's about finding a niche that's going to appreciate what you're doing number two is one of our newest guys that we're going to be doing podcasts with and uh, this is at the 95 percent mark and we just have to finalize the deal is rob crown who is is real he was just in vegas to visit really one of the most insightful guys on the planet about sports betting uh he and i are going to do a weekly master's class we're going to call we're going to be talking about really advanced handicapping concepts in this podcast and and rob is a hockey specialist so we'll be talking a lot of hockey in that which uh i'll try to uh get my way through somehow so (laughs) rob will be doing most of talking there okay so marco um because uh jeeps guy 004 didn't talk hockey he got to be the question of the week so he's going to get 25 (laughs) dollar coupon and uh, we'll be sending that to your email. So look for that uh, in your email tomorrow morning. I'll get that taken care of today. And you'll be able to use that to buy anything at Pregame Pros. Uh, $25 for Jeeps Guy 004. 
Okay, excellent. Now, we're talking coupons, and remember, uh, the thread is, is always going in the forums. If you have a question, jump in there and ask it, and if your question isn't picked in, in the given week, it still might be pulled from the archives, uh, so, so it's, it's worth the effort, I think. Okay, we're talking coupons. We have a weekly coupon with the podcast. Hit us, Marco. Okay, it's my favorite time of the show, giving away RJ's money. And this week, since we were talking about the new program, Twitter, we're going to make the coupon this week, Twitter10. And that's T-W-I-T-T-E-R and the number 10. You use that coupon this week, you'll be able to go to Pregame Pros. And at the checkout, enter that coupon code. You'll get $10 off your purchase. That coupon will be good. It's a one-time use coupon, and it'll be good through Monday. Excellent, excellent. Okay, now at pregame.com, why don't you let us know who, other than the people sitting here, uh, who's extra, extra hot right now? Well, we've got a guy, Rob Homiak. And he is on a 10-0 and run with his college premium plays in college basketball. Um, he had another winner last night with Memphis, and I would check him out. He's one of our new guys um, selling picks with us this basketball season, and he's making a name for himself quickly. Excellent. Okay, now on to the free picks. Now, Vegas Runner, we're, it's actually interesting. A lot of hot streaks here with our free picks. Vegas Runner, you've won three straight free picks. You're going for your fourth in the row. Yes, I am, and I'm going to stick to the fight game. It's been good to us. Uh, we're going to have UFC 96 this week in Columbus, Ohio, and I am found a match in the undercard that I love. It's a lightweight, a light heavyweight match at 205. It's pitting Mark Hamill against Mark Munoz. Right now, Mark Hamill's minus 160 favor, and I absolutely love him. The kid's 7-2. He made a name for himself in the tough competition, if you remember. He was the deaf kid that was all one-dimensional, but a Division Three Hall of Fame wrestler, and he was just tossing people around. If he didn't get hurt, he would have won that thing. He's 7-2. and two. His only losses were to Bisbing and Franklin. Bisbing was in England, and he got robbed. Everybody saw that. And tonight, I mean, uh, Saturday night, he's going up against Munoz, who's undefeated. He's 5-0 and oh and makes his UFC debut on pay-per-view. Another former NCAA wrestling champ. When you get two wrestling champions like that in the ring, what's going to happen is they end up standing up. And the guy with the better stand-up usually ends up winning the fight. And that's where Hamill has the huge advantage. Couple that with the fact when you first get on that UFC stage, regardless of where you fall, even guys that have come from pride in Japan say they are in awe in shock of the stage. And I believe this kid, Munoz, at 5-0, and when he steps out for the first time, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. Take Matt, Matt Hamill, minus 160 as we go for four straight. I love him. UFC 96 Saturday night. Okay. Actually, I, I actually went to school in Columbus at Ohio State, so uh, some of my buddies are actually going to this. Pretty excited about that. So I haven't gotten to the MMA yet, but you know, love I used it. to love pro wrestling, so I, I wonder if I should get into it um, back in the day. Okay. Um, Okay, now, Stephen Nover, he is the king of free picks at the podcast right now. He's won four straight, going for his fifth in a row. Thank you. I'm also the king of not making money, but I'll continue to try to give out uh, free winners here with the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm looking at a Sunday NBA game, and um, I'm looking at taking the points with Orlando at the Boston Celtics. With Orlando, you know you've got a good road team. They've covered 67% of their first 29 road contests. So this is a proven solid against the spread road team. 
Now, the Celtics do not figure to have Kevin Garnett back for this game, and uh, they're going to have to deal with Dwight Howard. Uh, how are they going to deal with Dwight Howard without Kevin Garnett? Kendrick Perkins and Mickey Moore, the well-traveled Mickey Moore. I see them having a lot of problems uh, with, with Dwight Howard uh, down there in the post. Boston also is going to be off a big Friday home game against Cleveland. Uh, so that's um, that's a tough situational spot for them. Boston is still working Stefan Marbury into their lineup, and so there's some rotation uh, adjustments there. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Orlando in the points then Sunday. Excellent. Now, uh, Marbury, how much time is he getting at this point? Um, not, not all that much, but uh, I, I think his minutes in a, will increase. I'm actually going to kind of go against the grain and think he will be a good addition to Boston. Uh, but right now, there is that adjustment period. He hasn't been shooting very well. Excellent. And and Stephen was joking, but really one of the concepts at pregame.com is that we get our pros out there. We have them provide a ton of free content, blogs, Twitter, podcasts, forum posts, and free picks. And what it does is it allows you to get to know these guys. Are they legitimate? And if they weren't, they wouldn't be at pregame. If we ever find ones that aren't legitimate, they're gone. And luckily we haven't run into that too often. But it's really a situation where you get comfortable with them. Uh, as as the the customer as the audience and you engage with them and then if you decide you do want their very best stuff because when you know let's be honest if a guy like steven an nba experts winning four in a row when he's picking the game the weekend games on thursday imagine when he loves a game the day of the game and and that's something at pregamepros.com you can go check that out and uh, go to the pro better tab and steven's there just like vegas runner and just like marco d'angelo and we're really excited that for those who want to buy the picks it's there in a fair way and for those that don't there's a ton of free stuff that helps you you know bet more like a professional okay marco all right i'm going to change gears a little bit and i'm going to go with the topic of the day and it's just dominating the radio talk shows today and that's terrell owens got released uh by the dallas cowboys and i'm going to make a futures bet and what i want you guys to do is to ride this out for a couple days before you make your bet because the line is going to go up. They're going to adjust it because they got rid of T.O., and you're going to get more value. And I think it's a great um, line value. They're going to be overpriced. I'm going to take a shot with Dallas to win the Super Bowl early. Um, I'm seeing lines of 10 to 1, 12 to 1 right now. I actually expect it to go up a few more dollars. You might get up to 15 to 1. They got rid of a cancer. And this team, I think, is going to be better for it. Remember, this team is was Super Bowl favored at the start of last year. They got rid of Terrell Owens, but they did get Roy Jones during the year. So now you've got a guy. Roy Jones? Or the, uh, Williams. Williams, sorry, Roy Williams. But they've got a quality-wide receiver that's not going to be a cancer. I think the team's definitely a go-with take them in the NFC that absolutely is wide open. I mean, let's face it, Arizona made it to the Super Bowl last year. So take the value. Dallas Cowboys for the Super Bowl is my free pick this week. Interesting. And you're saying wait a few days, let the lines adjust based upon the perception of T.O.'s loss is a negative for the team. Yep. And and it, this is going to be a, a real interesting example of what is gained by getting rid of a, a locker room guy that's pr- a problem versus what is lost on the field? Because when I talk to guys or listen to guys on podcasts and such that, that really understand the NFL, 
they say, you know, T.O. still always got the double teams. And, and, and Steven, maybe jump in real quick as an NFL. Steven's two real specialties, NBA and NFL, is these guys are telling me that the, the double teams that he got freed up that whole offense. And maybe his numbers were good but not great, but that made a big difference in the rest of the offense. W- what's your take on that? Well, he was hindering the progress of Tony Romo. And uh, you, you can't have that. And uh, Roy Williams, you can talk about T.O. D- with the double teams, but Roy Williams was a cipher once he went to the Cowboys, did absolutely nothing. This is a darn good wide receiver. So, uh, yeah, I think he can take some of that niche. And don't forget, uh, T.O., while still effective and still a force, he's 35 years old. Now, but but let's uh, to continue the conversation. If if Will, William Williams, <laughs> we're having trouble with his name today, <laughs> is a great receiver or even a really good receiver, if he's the second receiver last year and not getting double teams, if he's not dominating there, how's he going to dominate as a first receiver? Well, I just don't think. Uh, I think Romo had to be so focused on T.O. That he wasn't even looking at him. T.O. would scream. He'd cause problems. Uh, oh, interesting. That's a good know. point. So you're saying those numbers for Williams were deceiving because of the fact that the, the, that, um, the quarterback wasn't able to be comfortable to throw to him. Yeah, and I think that the word double team, I think it's a little misused in the, in the NFL. It's thrown out a lot. Of, a lot of these defense now are playing cover twos. They're in zones. It's not so much that they're totally focusing on. If Owens or whoever goes to the main area where the quarterback's rolling out, that's where the, the defensive pressure is going to be, the double teams. Excellent. Okay, and remember, Marco didn't get his kudos, but he's 3-1 in the podcast. So when we take our big three here, handicappers, we have a combined 10 and one streak going into next week. Um, okay, my free pick. Now, one of the things, you know, as you, most you guys know, is I do very little handicapping myself, is I follow this stuff very closely. The concepts are something I study very closely, but the day-to-day stuff I have a real challenge with. And um, the... the challenging that I just don't have enough time to spend. And, and I'm someone that, that tries to <laughs> be comfortable with my limitations. So what I do is I really pick the brains of the professionals that I know. And one of the things I'm going to do is pass on a go-on team or play-on team um, each week from the professionals that I talk to. And this week that's going to be LSU and college basketball. One of the guys I, I really trust in college basketball uh, says LSU is someone to play on. And uh, so, again, it's not every game, but from now through the end of the season, when you look at the LSU team, I would say be inclined to play on them, not against them. But, again, be very specific to the, the given spot. Okay, that is going to be it for the podcast. And uh, great week i think and and i'm really interested for you guys to give us some feedback on the quality of the sound with our new equipment and again go to pregameforms.com we're going to continue the conversations here we're going to start a thread with this podcast anything you want to talk about that's related to these subjects you can do it in that thread and you can tell us what you think of the sound and we're going to be back next week now actually next week we're going to be back earlier in the week so we're going to have a podcast in the can for you guys before the conference tournament start and we're going to be doing a how to handicap podcast so big week next week and um this has been the uh, pregame.com podcast each week we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game see you next week 